The other day I was about halfway through an online meditation class I take each week when I realized I'd been checking work slacks and writing to-do lists for 20 minutes. I love meditating, but I couldn't shake the feeling that there were a gazillion other more important, urgent things I needed to do. My daughter had COVID, I had a big work deadline coming up, and I was honestly just so distracted. I didn't want to do any of those things on my list. I started to wonder, here I am doing something that's very special to me, meditating, and yet somehow I'm completely unmotivated to do it. And it got me curious. What is motivation anyway? And does working remotely, doing just about everything virtually like we are, impact it? I'm Tiffany Jones-Brown, and this is Remotely Curious, a podcast from Dropbox that asks all the questions about hybrid, remote, or as we call it, virtual-first work. When you do a quick Google search for tips on motivation, you'll find a million articles, listicles, videos, and podcasts. They all essentially say the same thing. Take breaks, manage your time, prioritize your tasks. One article I recently read said, just do it. And sure, this kind of advice can be super helpful when you're in a pinch and you just need to get things done. But in this episode, I want to take a step back. Today, we'll see if we can reframe motivation. We'll try to make sense of a topic like toxic productivity and understand when it's okay to give yourself some slack and most importantly, how to do that. To break all that down, we'll speak with author Elizabeth Uwe-Benene. She's written a ton about rethinking office culture, from escaping the busyness trap to building healthier, more equitable work communities. Before we do that, we'll hear from Claire Fallon, a journalist, podcast host, and relatively new mom who's experiencing some of her own motivation issues that go a little deeper than how do I deal with feeling distracted all day? So I guess that my situation is uh, a bit different from a lot of people's situations in the sense that I was sort of living the flex work from home dream that everyone is hoping for now before the pandemic. I worked at a digital news site and I worked on the culture team and I loved my team. I loved going into the office and working with them, but we were really kind of generally allowed to come in when we felt it would be productive and to work from home when we wanted to hunker down. And that was fantastic. Claire told us she worked at that job for a decade, and then a new chapter of her life started when she became pregnant, three months before the lockdown in March 2020, her son was born. She and her husband were both working from home, daycares were closed, and her son wasn't napping well. And it was just a real shit show. I don't know if I can curse, but it was hell. And so that was such a big challenge that it was almost like any other challenges kind of faded into the background. We were both just completely exhausted because every free moment for half a year had been spent cramming work in between, like keeping this baby alive. Fast forward to now, daycares are open again and they're finally able to drop their son off in the morning and get some work done. Claire's transitioned into a new job where she's her own boss. It's very hard to never be able to sort of break out of 
our routine. It's hard to feel, for me, I think, energized and inspired in terms of writing an essay or coming up with an idea for the podcast when I'm in the same two-bedroom apartment all day. We hardly go anywhere still because of the pandemic. This monotony makes staying motivated impossible. And I'm definitely in a point in my life where I know that just being productive for the sake of being productive, just like grinding all the time, (laughs) isn't an option, even if I wanted it to be. So it's really becoming very urgent for me to figure out a way to have more control over when and why and how I am being focused at work and and what I'm producing rather than just sort of trying to either slam my foot on the gas pedal or just coast. Claire's story really resonated with me. I love being closer to my family and comfortable together when we're at home, but I notice my motivation suffers because there's so much less variety in my day. And on top of that, I don't have the structure and separation of going into an office. And that's just one example. I've heard dozens of stories from people who are just struggling to stay motivated. Some say working from home gives them too much time to think, that they get uncomfortably existential and start doubting whether their work even matters. Some find that without others around to inspire them, they're unmotivated to just get through their to-do lists. And others I talk to find that they simply just can't turn work off. But maybe we're looking at it wrong. Do we really need to accomplish all the things that we think we do? Of course, even if we let some of our goals go, we'll always have something that needs to be done, whether it's for work or family or for ourselves. So knowing this, what's a smart, holistic starting point for us to refine our motivation? This is something that Elizabeth Uva Benene talks about in her book, The Reset, Ideas to Change How We Work and Live. She's also a columnist and an accomplished author who writes about racism in the UK and what it means to grow up as a young Black woman. I'm very passionate about creating and writing things that I wish existed in the world and having a point of view on the way the world is now, the way the, way the world can go and the way it should be going. Uh, so there, yeah, that's, that's an overview of, um, of me. So today we're talking a little bit about motivation. So I thought I'd just start with you. How do you stay motivated? People. I love people watching. I love talking to my friends while, I, while I'm doing the day's work. I'm at home. I'm having that lunchtime chat, uh, even though I'm, you know, working from home or just being able to listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube series or something like that. I just, I think people are my greatest motivators and being inspired by people's stories and just seeing them, people watching if I'm, you know, in a cafe, especially as a writer, that for me is one of my biggest sources of uh, motivation. And has the way that you motivate yourself or your understanding of how you are motivated shifted at all in remote work? Oh, absolutely. I think I underestimated the power of conversation, the power of connection when it came to my creativity and coming up with ideas, especially as a writer, especially as someone who is looking into the world and, and trying to write about it or or come up with ideas around it. So the pandemic definitely and remote work just made me much more appreciative and gave me much more clarity on when I needed to draw upon that community of people or when I needed that. So I think we can't talk about motivation 
without also thinking about burnout. In your book, you cite this stat that the average age of burnout is now 32, and something like 37% of millennials say they don't feel empowered to take a lunch break. And I just thought that was so nuts, but also relatable. And I'm wondering if you could say, like, what's going on with that? Yeah, it is super relatable. I've definitely been there. The way we communicate our presence with each other is just so different. It just feels like there's that immense pressure to always be on. There's that pressure to always be busy because it's a badge of honour. I don't know if you've asked your friends, how are you? It's like, oh God, I'm so busy. It shows that, you know, you're wanted. It shows that your time is valued and, and you're doing big things. And it feeds into our ego as well. So it is a real big conversation around burnout. And I think when we talk about being motivated, it feels as if you're if you if you're not pushing yourself quite hard, then you don't have motivation. That motivation is only seen as like you you get your fruits of labor when you feel like you are burnt out. That's when you know you're working hard. So we keep pushing ourselves to that point. We keep saying yes to things that we don't probably want. We keep like you know, there's that insatiable thirst of just constantly being on. So yeah, so I think you're absolutely right. Motivation and burnout are are inextricably linked. I can't relate to any of that at all. Just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's like a lifelong skill of um, when the yes and when the no and when the not now. Yeah. It's really, really fascinating. You talk in your book about the importance of reflection. Yeah. And I have personally found that when my ratio of doing to reflecting is off, that yes. I become demotivating. So I'm wondering if you can just talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that being able to understand how you work and the best way you work is is a real important skill. And I think it's not just important. I think it's so vital to not being burnt out and understanding where you where you source your motivation from and, and ultimately where you are able to bring your best self into a creative process or a work stream process. So reflection is for me, a big part of that, because if you're doing the same thing over and over again and you're you're heading towards that burnout or you're heading towards that demotivating feeling, then you have to ask yourself, like, this is not working. Like, it's broken. It's like starting up a computer and uh, rebooting the computer and doing the exact same thing. It's only going to shut down. So a lot has been spoken around, you know, the great resignation and people leaving the workplace and, and quitting their jobs and stuff like that. And I'm very much all for that. But I, I also think that if you aren't honest with yourself and if you don't go through that reflective process, it doesn't matter if you're in job A and you've taken six months away and gone to another job afterwards, if you do not allow yourself to have that reflection, you're just going to hit a wall over and over again. I actually burned out from a previous job. I'd taken on a big new director role at a startup while my daughter was still just an infant. Between job and home, I was always on. I was barely sleeping. I wasn't doing any of the things that really keep me healthy. And after a few years of that, I just hit a wall. The pain of that experience led me down a long reflection process. And I realize the way I'm designed is that I really value critical thinking and I do my best work when I have chunks of time to really understand something. Also that much of my motivation comes from feeling emotionally connected to the people around me. So you've talked about how the first step to staying motivated is to understand what we want and what's most meaningful to us. How do we find out what we want? 
and what's most meaningful? It's a very good question. And I try to address that in my last chapter. The number one thing I say, I say to my friends and people around me, or people ask me for advice, is work out what work is to you. Is it means to an end? Is it part of your identity? There is no right or wrong answer. I think that there is this pressure and that has been for years that work has to be part of your identity. You have to love what you do. You have to find so much purpose and fulfillment. And I don't think that's for everybody. And we have to kind of acknowledge that as a society. And then I ask this question to my friends and I ask this question to the readers. What does a good day look like? When would you wake up? What's your first task of the day? How do you want to spend your afternoon? My mind was worrying as Elizabeth talked about all this. For the first few years of the pandemic, work for me was really about security, just making sure my family and I had our needs met. But now it's shifting and I can feel that it's becoming more and more about creativity and creative expression. My core values seem to stay the same, but the one I'm most focused on at any given moment seems to evolve. I love Elizabeth's idea of checking in with myself from time to time to see where I'm at. It makes me think of our last episode where we talked about ritual spotting, just finding small moments in our day that might have significance to us and letting that clue us in to what's most meaningful. For me, an example is how my first sip of coffee always makes me feel grateful for the sun coming in through my window, as simple as that is, just recognizing it on purpose. Anyway, Elizabeth was saying she urges people to ask themselves simple questions to figure out how they like to work. You know, little things. What's your favorite meal? Do you like a big breakfast? All of these things make a difference into how we view work. And I think that we have to be honest with ourselves as a society. We're not robots. You know, we're not spreadsheets. We don't have perfect formulas. We're complicated. We're nuanced. I encourage people to, you know, be honest, journal that, write that down, be able to just be honest with yourself from a, from a morning to an evening, what your day would look like. I love that question because it's so simple and humble. And I think of those humble questions sometimes like trailheads into finding that bigger answer to what's most meaningful to me? How do I want my life to look like in five years? But if you start with the small thing, I think sometimes that can really help to unlock the bigger thing. So I just love how you put that. Thank you. When I spoke with Claire, she's the journalist we heard from at the beginning of the episode. She told me that she's struggling to figure out how to push herself to be productive, but not in a toxic or exhausting way. And it's hard to like find an approach to work that allows for the fact that you're a human and you need rest and you need time for inspiration and you need time for your family and you have other obligations to your community outside of your job. Um, it's hard to find a mentality and a philosophy that makes room for all of those things. And that's what I've, I guess I ultimately have been really struggling with because even when I have to take the time for my family, I just feel tremendous guilt about it. So Claire had a question for Elizabeth. How do I tell the difference between the accommodations that I need to make for the type of work situation I find myself in now and just coasting? Like, how do I decide when to motivate myself to like push on something and when to kind of let myself off the hook and say like, you have enough going on to, to give yourself a break on this? 
Yeah, I've definitely been there and not in terms of like being a new mum, but I think this is a super relatable dilemma that people face in terms of dealing with your actual lived reality and your commitments and responsibilities and also wanting to pursue other creative endeavours or projects or things like that. I think first and foremost, my dad used to always say to me, life has seasons and not all the different seasons are going to bear the same fruit and you have to always somehow be prepared for that and by that I mean there are some seasons it's only apples and you don't like apples and strawberries are your favorite fruit but this season is just about harvesting the apples and 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 it's you know it's a bit sour but it's it's not necessarily where you thrive the most it's not your you know it's not your flow state. I love that. Not all seasons are going to bear the same fruit, and you can't have cherries, apples, and bananas all at the same time. And something that's helped me is to just do really small things to give myself that motivation. So when I was working on a project about two years ago, actually, yeah, two and a half years ago, so it was pre-pandemic, and if I'm honest with you, I really didn't want to do it. I wasn't motivated to really do it. But I had to do it. I'd signed up, I was committed, and it was going to be for about six months. So I kind of looked at that thing that I was doing and said, there's a reason why I'm doing this. And there's a reason why this project is obviously very time intensive. But there's something about this that I'm going to learn and take into the next season. I need to see this through the lens of my future. So that gave me optimism and I think and gave me spring in my step to think, okay, cool. There is like light at, at the end of the tunnel. I was always in the back of my head, always thinking about the thing I really wanted to do and using where I was right now as a way to motivate myself to clarify the next step and clarify the next journey. So practical things you can definitely do is just work out in your day where your hours are being spent. Is there like a five minute, 10 minute thing in your day that you can give to this a side project or, or anything. And there's this misconception that you need an hour and it just puts pressure on us. I think 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes makes such a big difference. So it, that can be 10 minutes a week. That's something. And, and always think about it as seasons. Like this season at this moment does require you to prioritise X, but the next season could be an opportunity for you to grow into your side hustle or grow into, into creating a new project or, or, or find time to do something else. We've talked a lot about the challenges of working remotely or virtually. But I'm curious if you've noticed any good things about working remotely when it comes to our well-being or our motivation or just in general. Yes, I think that it gives us an opportunity to, to work out what our respite is and make the most of our breaks. Definitely, we had that fact, actually, at the start of our conversation, that millennials don't feel empowered enough to take a break. I definitely feel like the benefits of remote working has just meant that people feel more empowered to take a break because we are in our homes, we are near a park. It just feels as if, like, you know, what's a 45-minute nap? That, you know, supercharges your whole day. So I think we see rest and we see leisure differently as a whole. And I think that that has been a huge benefit. It, in terms of our relationships, I think it's it's just meant that the average person, you know, commutes, especially in London, can commute for, you know, two to three hours uh, a, a day. And that was like, you know, pre-pandemic. So I think it, we have, we've had time back that we can put into our 
relationships, you know, it be romantic, it be parent-child relationships, it be a family relationship, friendships. And when it's all said and done, and we really think about the things that we value as a society, as individuals, as much as work is such a big part of our, our lives, it's the people that make who who we are. It's the people that you're going to think about in, in 50 years' time, not that spreadsheet and not that meeting. It's helped us slow down. And it's also just meant that the times that we were doing commutes, the times where we felt that we had to, you know, do the whole presenteeism and, and look alert and look like you're busy. It, you know, when you're in your own home, there's that authenticity that we've just never been able to have um, as collectively as a society. So, you know, remote work isn't perfect by any means. I would never advocate for 100% remote working life, but I think it's definitely reframe the way we see work and I think it's it's definitely just meant that we we see ourselves as not robots but as humans and 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 we we deserve a life that that lives outside an office I feel like spiking the ball Elizabeth that's such wise and grounded advice I appreciate it well thank you for having me so here are some takeaways number one Motivation grows stronger when we tie our tasks to our values, not just what's on our to-do list. For some, passion and work is a core value, but for others, being present at home is more important. Since our values are different, the way we're motivated will be too. Number two, making time for reflection and connection are helpful ways to combat burnout and understand what motivates you. A good reflection question is, what does my ideal day look like? Or what people and situations energize me most? And number three, remember Elizabeth Stad's great advice. Life is full of seasons. Try asking yourself, what season am I in now? How can I enjoy it? And what's one tiny thing I can do to prepare for my next season? Right now, I'm personally identifying with spring. There are all these delicate and elusive things that come out in that season, like morel mushrooms in California. You have to really work for them, but if you look in the right place, and if you put in the time to cook them well, they're delicious. And that's kind of how my creativity feels lately. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Tiffany Jones-Brown. Remotely Curious is brought to you by Dropbox and our friends at Cosmic Standard. Our hardworking producers are Beauty Nazaro, Samaya Adams, Angela Johnston, and Asia Pilar Simpson. Our editor is Nina Gensler-Debs, our technical director is Jacob Winnick, and our executive producer is Eliza Smith. Our designers are April Rosenstock and Feliz Camille Tolentino. Our theme song is composed by Doug Stewart, and I'm your host, Tiffany Jones-Brown. And special thanks to Claire Fallon and Elizabeth Uva-Benene. Elizabeth has a new young adult fiction book that came out this year called The Offline Diaries. And you can find her book, The Reset, on Amazon or other online bookshops. For more tips on finding your motivation and remote work, check out the Dropbox Virtual First Toolkit at remotely-curious.com. I've written five books in five years. That's like my Tom Brady moment <laughs> or Serena Williams. Uh, five books in five years is impressive. That is a <laughs> lot of flow. Holy moly. Thank you. <laughs>